Welcome to the 30-minute CMO. I'm Gorsha Huchua. The explosion of e-commerce has been the dominant story in marketing this year, fueled by an unprecedented shift in consumer behavior and mirrored by an equally eye-popping migration of brands into the digital space. Riding this incredible wave are companies who are best positioned to provide the technology and tools to brands and customers to enable a more seamless shopping behavior. Amazon, Shopify, FedEx, and UPS. These companies enable digital commerce and they have been reaping rewards of their position. But there have been a new crop of companies who have elbowed their way into the conversation by offering solutions that aim to fill the gaps in the e-commerce ecosystem. One of these companies, called Hero, has been making big waves this year with its technology that aims to put humanity back into digital commerce. We know that shopping online can often feel impersonal, and most sites lack the element of discovery that have traditionally been the domains of physical stores. Hero bridges this gap by bringing together customers and retail associates through its on-site chat app. Customers browsing a site can connect to a store employee and chat with them via text, call, or even video. On their end, store employees can build the card for these customers by suggesting complimentary products and help bring them all the way to the checkout. This elegant and powerful idea was the brainchild of Adam Levine, Hero's founder and CEO. The platform has been adopted by global brands like Nike, Levi's, and Harvey Nichols and is seeing huge demand from all corners of the world. Adam joined me and my co-host Alex McNamara from the UK for a conversation about the state of e-commerce and to give his view on how technology is going to forever shift the relationship between consumers and brands. Adam, uh, first of all, how are things in the UK? You recently made the move back uh, to Britain and as you have told me before, just as you exited your personal 14-day quarantine, the country went into a new lockdown. How has it been for you and your family? Yeah, well, actually, firstly, thank you, Gosha and Alex, for having me on. Delighted to, to be a guest on the podcast. And yeah, the mood's been as good as can be. You know, I was spending the past year uh, very thankfully in California and, you know, pandemic suddenly changed all our life situation. Uh, my wife and I are expecting a exciting. We kind of made that move back to the UK for the, for the next few months at least. But we spent two weeks in quarantine. Uh, and then, of course, the national lockdown happened. So uh, like every other month of 2020, we've seen a lot of the inside of, you know, four walls. Um, but, you know, we are doing well. We um, uh, you know, helping our partners as much as possible, keeping our team uh, engaged and healthy as much as we can. But overall, we can't complain. We'd love to hear a bit about your, your backstory. Prior to starting Hero, you were a marketer by trade. How did you get started there? And sort of what was your path uh, before Hero? Yeah, for sure. Actually, Alex, I've never been referred to as a marketeer in that way before. I don't think I had a traditional marketing background. I think what I had was a understanding and appreciation of design, of a proposition, a consumer proposition, new technologies, um, and important, importantly, how to bring that all together into you know something that businesses understand and consumers understand. And I guess that's been kind of a theme through a lot of the stuff I've worked on and companies I've built over the past few years. But my own backstory, I, I did the one thing you should never do, which is ignore your mother and her advice. But I did, I ignored her. And instead of going to university, I skipped university entirely, left school at 18 and found myself in this very fast growth startup 
There was a company called Blick, which was a, a Finnish company founded by the former global president of Nokia. And he had taken it from being a, a tire manufacturer in the 80s to being the biggest mobile manufacturer in the world pre-iPhone. Uh, and then he left, raised about 100 million in funding from Goldman Sachs and decided he was going to start a mobile ad network. Um, sorry, a mobile network funded by advertisers. And it was going to be aimed at young people, you know, who's trying to recreate a Sprint or a France front, Telecom. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said it would be ad funded and it's going to be aimed at 16 to 24 year olds. And I happened to fall in that age bracket. I uh, have been doing a few things, uh, building websites, you know, my misspent youth. And suddenly at 18, I found myself working for this experienced leadership team in a fast growth startup, one of the, the earliest mobile startups. And I got to learn on someone else's dime about what it took to build a company and a company in the new mobile age. And uh, it was a great experience for a few years. And then in 2010, um, you know, the iPhone had come out and it changed everything. And a, a few um, a few of us got together, um, and many of us who had met in our previous company at Blick, and we launched the biggest app developer in Europe. And we grew that to about 200 people. In the space of about four years, we were able to exit that company. And essentially we were helping uh, FTSE 100s and Fortune 500s decide what they should be doing on mobile and not only helping decide the strategy but actually executing and building the app so we did this for Adidas and Visa and uh, Procter and Gamble and McDonald's and so it was a really exciting business to build and yeah exited that in 2013 and then in 2015 got started with Hero. Wow. Oh, what? So sticking to you sticking to you so is pretty good to see, see what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> What um what led you to the idea uh, to start here? It's um, at the time must not have been um, a popular concept uh, in uh, in e-commerce. Can you walk us through sort of like where the initial light bulb went off and uh, how how you kind of ran with it? Yeah, I'm always very skeptical of founders' very clean genesis stories where suddenly I was walking down the street and I had this idea. Um, I think a few things happened that kind of forged the idea of Hero. And the first was just being in my previous business, Grapple, and seeing all of the data and the trends around the explosion of mobile commerce and thinking in a really simple way, you know, what's the one thing we will do on our phones more than anything? And at the time, and it still is, it's messaging, it's, you know, communication, it's using tools like WhatsApp and WeChat and uh, SMS. And so I had this kind of simple idea to say, well, could you bring together commerce and messaging? And around that time, having exited my, my previous company, my now wife and I, we traveled across South America for three months. It was the first time I'd ever taken uh, some time off longer than a week because I'd always been working since the age of 18. And we traveled South America and we were really struck by all of these stores using WhatsApp as a way to communicate with customers. And in many ways, they had leapfrogged what Western brands had done with trying to figure out computers and desktop. And they were going straight to this very mobile first way of communicating with customers. And I got back from traveling and I was trying to buy a book for an investor. And I was on hold, on waiting on hold to the bookshop to see if they had this book in store. I was visiting their website to see if they had the stock and if it would tell me if it was available. And it was just such a, a friction, you know, an experience full of friction. And so the, the whole idea came together to say, well, could you put messaging and commerce together? And could you make it easy as you're shopping and browsing to connect with not a chat bot or a customer service center, but the actual physical store? You know, could you connect with that knowledgeable, passionate store associate who has the education and can advise on the right item to buy, can advise on fit and style advice, can advise on stock availability, all those key questions you have as an online shopper. 
And so that was really the genesis story, a few ideas coming together. And in 2015, we got our start, spent about 18 months kind of figuring out the product and, and building the platform. And then in January 2017, we launched and our first customers were Harvey Nichols in Europe, the, the luxury department store, and then a jewelry brand in New York owned by El Caton called uh, John Hardy, which was a great wholesale brand that was going really D to C, opening stores across the US. And we kind of just met them at the perfect time where they were looking to, you know, take a bet on new technologies like Hero. You talk about not having, uh, being skeptical of perfect Genesis stories. The way I recap yours is I took a three month trip down to South America, then came back home, a light bulb went off in my head and <laughs> there Hero was born. I think it's a pretty, pretty cool story to, uh, to start the company with. The best ideas always seem to start when you're outside of an office and you're traveling and exploring. I'm, I'm sad through the 2020, you know, it's um, definitely first world problems given the, you know, the nature of the pandemic, but not being able to travel has definitely hit me. It was definitely one of my favorite things to do. And right after I got my best ideas and more headspace. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that when we can return to some sense of normal. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, talking about being stuck inside. So if you're at a Zoom party, because that's how we party now, um, how do you explain what Hero is? Yeah, great question, Alex. And we spent a long time in the early days figuring this one out. I think it's got a little easier to explain now, but the way we think about it is a virtual shopping service uh, for any shopper online to get the IRL experience they're used to, but as they shop. So I always use an example. Uh, if you're looking for a pair of 501s on Levi's website on levis.com and you have a question about the size or the fit or you want some inspiration about the, the newest style, you tap Hero on the retailer's own site so you don't have to download an app. And through text, through chat, through video calling, you can connect live and direct with a, a real life human in the store nearest to you and get the expertise that gives you the confidence to buy. And if you have a great relationship with that store associate that assisted you, you can choose to stay in touch as well. You can then text them after they can text you with recommendations. And it's as simple as that. So not, not quite the 30 second elevator pitch, but I think I can get away without a, a, a Zoom party. <laughs> I, I think this is, I think it's, I mean, Gorsha was showing me this um, this earlier and it's just the, the way that you've taken the, the chat bots that we're used to, which is, you know, either it's, um, you know, it's a chat center somewhere um, where they've got scripted answers or it's just, you know, algorithms feeding you pre-canned, pre-written answers um, and evolving it into something that's real, that's very highly personalized for you because it's, it's literally based on the thing that you want to know with someone who's an expert in the shop. So you can say like, you know, the 501s example, it's like, you know, what, you know, what is the material like? Is it soft? Is it rough? And, and they'll, they'll give you that in real time, which is a huge sort of, like you were talking about friction. It's a huge <clears throat> way to remove that friction when you're buying. Cause you know, especially clothing, shoes, anything that you need to like touch, feel, have that IRL experience and be able to understand what it's like. I, there's so many times where I've got stuff in my basket. I'm like, what is this like? Do I really want to order it? Wait three to five days, get it to open it up immediately. It's not right. Send it back yeah. and go through all yeah. that kerfuffle. Um, when you could just have that interaction. I think it's, I, I can't wait to find a website that, that has that. Absolutely. And thank you. And absolutely. That's the real, the, the mission behind what we're trying to achieve to bring that IRL experience to that online shopper and, um, as you say, give the shopper the confidence, you know, give yourself the confidence to not abandon the basket, but actually go through to purchase. And it still amazes me as someone who uh, comes from a technology background coming into retail, 
is you know 99% of customers who land on a retailer's own site will leave without buying something. And that's mm-hmm. totally different from when you walk into a physical store where you're far more likely to buy something because you can touch the product, see it, you've got the advice and expertise. And so by bringing a, a dose of that experience to online, you can really see the, the um, likeliness of a shopper uh, to buy really increase. Yeah, it feels like it solves um, not just that problem or offers a solution for a shopper. It's also like, um, it's an interesting uh, problem that you see when you walk into a retail store uh, off hours um, on a Wednesday at 2 p.m. And I remember this experience actually mentioned Harvey Nichols, which which is why it stuck in my head. I walked into a Harvey Nichols on a Wednesday at 2 p.m. actually in, in Hong Kong. And I felt like I had 50 pairs of eyes on me because I was the only customer. <laughs> and I, it felt like, well, what are all of these people doing here, you know, standing there lingering around, you know, not, not being engaged in something productive. Uh, Hero offers an opportunity for companies to better utilize their retailer employees' time uh, and talents and, no, and knowledge because they can be on and serving customers at any time. Yeah, absolutely. I think about Omnichannel in two ways. You know, have the, they have the customer journey being joined up between online and offline, but you also have the inefficiency of a retailer not being Omnichannel. And as you say, there's all of this downtime in the stores, you know, that uh, the Tuesday at 10 a.m. problem, we call it. And use, utilizing that time when there's all of these shoppers online and need that store associates assistance and advice and expertise. There's so much efficiency that can be created by connecting online and offline. So not only is it a better shopper experience, but can fundamentally solve business challenges for any retailer that really invests in omnichannel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also like the, the way that you, you kind of have connected this, the associate with you and if you really like them you're able to maximize that relationship which is something that you don't get now um in unless you're in like a really like high-end luxury where you build a client base and you you know you're proactively um sharing new stock uh recommendations with them but bringing that to more sort of the everyday every person's you know normal normal stores you're allowing um an uh, a behavior that's not um, ingrained in people like you go into your Levi's and you see an associate and you may have a good experience but you'll never know if you'll see them again whereas now you're able to build that in something and they're able to then provide you with recommendations and influence you in your decision making um, yeah. which I think is a really interesting way that that you can take that high-end retail personalized experience down to every day. Yeah, we, we refer to it as democratizing the luxury experience and bringing it to, to every shop or every brand. And you know, two categories that really stand out in that sense, you know, a beauty, which is a very consultative um, uh, you know, category, as, as Gusha well, well knows, and getting that experience where you can uh, connect with an associate who understands your regime, who understands your insecurities after that interaction, being able to stay in touch and ask for further recommendations by someone that kind of gets you, that's really powerful. And in the homeware as well, you know, if you're pretty stressful, maybe you buy a new place, you want to then kit it out and refurb it. And then you're going through this kind of six week window, usually where you are stressing, trying to find the right sofa, making sure it fits, needing to kit out all the accessories having what feels like a, a design expert on, on speed dial that you can stay in touch with. That's a really compelling proposition that really makes the bra- customers so loyal to that brand. It's such a standout service that is so deeply human. You can actually test drive that, Alex. 
probably uh, yeah. an experience you're literally going through right now trying I'm to doing it right, I'm doing it right now I was in I was in the house yesterday painting trim with with primer which it's a lot more difficult than I first imagined if you're in the market for some Herman Miller design furniture our partners at Herman Miller and design within reach or our house they're there to help Alex I think I might be I don't know if my wallet is <laughs> <laughs> Um, so listen, uh, taking more of a broader view of e-commerce, um, I'd love to just chat about this for a bit with you and get your perspective, Adam. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of excitement about e-commerce in 2020, uh, because COVID forced us away from the stores and into these virtual showrooms. We've we've been discussing them, um, just now. Um, and I think, um, there is a lot of chatter about how this is the year of e-commerce that, uh, somehow the dam broke and, uh, e-commerce has now arrived but it isn't really representative of the shift that's been underway for quite some time. Um, do you, I mean, e-commerce has been more and more prevalent each, each year. Um, you know, Cyber Monday became a thing, uh, then it became almost as big as Big Fr uh, Black Friday. Um, Amazon uh, has con continued to push the envelope for what e-commerce truly means and, and setting new standards. So do you see the current trends to be extreme in a way, just accelerated momentarily by COVID? Uh, do you think that the post in the post-pandemic world, we're going to see maybe a little bit more of a rebalancing um, back towards traditional retail with e-commerce continuing to claim an ever-growing part of the pie, albeit maybe at a slower rate? What is your, what is your view? Yeah, my, my hunch is it's not going to slow down. And I think there's a great phrase that um, our partners at Shopify use often, which is, you know, essentially you bought 2034 to 2020, almost 10 years of growth have happened in, in, in less than a year. And so do I see it slowing down? Not so much. Maybe there'll be the dips in certain markets as stores reopen. I think you're going to see this kind of, um, you know, uh, patterns over the next few months. But I think what's happened is categories, and I mentioned a few of them earlier, you know, beauty, homeware in particular, mm -hmm. uh, they're categories where a customer previously didn't have that confidence to buy online. They would have definitely preferred to go to a store. And now being able to get that, um, uh, those items online, have the comfort to do so. And, you know, hopefully Hero is helping do our bit to give that shopper the confidence. Um, I don't see it slowing down. I think you saw similar trends, you know, a very different time in our lives, but uh, early 2000s in China, um, uh, you know, after the pandemic, um, you saw again that same acceleration in e-commerce that didn't slow down. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to force real change on physical retail. Um, I don't think physical retail will ever go back, but I do continue to see, uh, or, or my expectation is that e-commerce will continue to surge in the same way. Yeah, I was, I was listening to a, a NPR last night and they were saying that COVID had basically brought 10 years, like you just said, 10 years of growth forward in one year. It's not a change, age, not a change agent, but a, an accelerant. And I think it's, it's yeah. forcing companies that would have taken <laughs> forever to go you know, digital transformation, e-commerce, and force them to do it. So I think like that, bringing them all up to, to date at the same time. Um, but um, sort of when you, we think about the nature of the physical stores, um, we're seeing a lot of experiment, experimentation from the D2C brands coming into physical like Allbirds, um, and, but also traditional retailers who are um, sort of integrating their physical to virtual. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the sort of the, the cross between those two, sort of the D2Cs having to go uh, in-store and in-store going virtual? 
Yeah, I think you're going to continue to see that crossover. I really don't see the physical store disappearing. I, I remember tra tracking back to 2015. It was the question from all of our earliest investors going, you're working with stores, there's not going to be any stores next year. And the reality, you know, five years forward, that's not the case. Um, and as you say, many of the D2C brands, you know, Allbirds and Wobby Parker have really blazed a trail in, in some ways, the detox market as well, you know, opening stores um, alongside this growth in e-commerce. E and the two sit very happily together and they're going to continue to be ever more integrated. That said, you've got lots of retail brands, especially in the US, that are overstored. They have too many stores. And so I do envision a world where you're going to see leaner store networks. I think a greater investment in the store experience. And that is both uh, visual in terms of what you see, but also in terms of the store associates you, you interact with and their education and making sure they can really deliver uh, the incredible experience in store, but also online. And so I, I, see, I think stores are going to shrink for sure. I think there's too many stores for some, you know, for so many brands and having spent the last year in California, you drive around and all the strip malls with the same stores, um, you know, on, on every corner, like it, it just doesn't fill um, uh, where retail needs to be in going into 2021. Um, so I don't expect to slow down on e-commerce. It's going to rise i do expect the shift in e-commerce uh, in physical stores i think the other thing that will happen and we're seeing this from some of our very forward thinking partners is around this idea of dark stores or virtual stores which you know has a fairly loose definition um, for one of our partners in australia which is the, the largest footwear uh, retail group the accent group who have you know one of the 500 physical retail stores um, but they're experimenting with essentially these virtual stores that are centrally located not open to the public but look and feel like a normal store but it's housed with store associates just using hero to virtual shop with online customers um, even here in europe over the last three weeks when there's been restrictions um, in the UK and France and Italy, 70% of our partners have put the close sign on their doors, on their, their locations, but the staff are inside working and using Hero to assist online shoppers. That's already a, a marked change from, you know, that we could have even imagined um, a few months ago. So I think you're going to see lots of experimentation around the physical store. One, uh, another anecdote that always comes to me, and this was happening pre-pandemic, we were seeing many of our partners experiment with store opening hours, um, you know, opening earlier or closing later around peak traffic hours. So, um, you know, often a customer is shopping 7 p.m., 8 p.m., but the store is closed. We had brands who were experimenting, keeping the store open longer, maybe closed to the public, but again, able to assist online shoppers. So I think lots of experimentation to come. I think you'll see an overall shrinkage, but I don't think it's going to deter D2C brands and, and brands who potentially started online only wanting to push into physical retail because I think there's so many benefits that come with physical retail. I, um, I remember speaking to this point, um, sitting with our head of retail and talking about scheduling retail associates and completely changing the mindset about uh, how to go about scheduling because we pulled up Google Analytics on a shared screen and I was like, these are the peaks and that's where we're going to have retail associates two, three at a time working at the stores because we need to make sure that at least one or two of them are on Hero uh, serving the virtual peaks. And uh, she's like, but there's no one in the stores during this time. And it's like, that's, they're, they're in the store. They're just in the store virtually. And uh, it, it, it's changing the way that we think about staffing. It's changing, to your point, the way that we think about even, even April to October, November. It's changing the way that we think about 
opening and closing stores due to spikes of COVID because to your point, you can close a store and still keep the store at least revenue neutral because you have platforms like Hero that help you um, offset some of those losses. So it's, um, it's an incredible transformation just within the span of six months, I would say even in the mindset of those who operate uh, you know, retail businesses. Yeah, absolutely. I think it ties directly to how we envision the role of the future store associate in some ways. You know, we think about them more as brand ambassadors or um, on some scale, like micro influencers. If you've got store associates on one side or sales associates traditionally thought of, and then Kim Kardashian on the other end of the extreme, I think the future store associate is going to sit somewhere in the middle where they are this micro ambassador. They may actually work for many brands, not just the one. They may work on commission only. They may be in a store. They may be in a virtual store. They may be working from home. They may be in a head office. But essentially, they're going to be centered around the growth of e-commerce and the growth of online traffic and be given the tools to sell digitally beyond the, you know, uh, the traditional physical four walls of a physical store. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited by, by what the experimentation we're going to see, both for the actual physical store itself, but the role of the store associate. Yeah, that's fascinating what you just mentioned. And actually, um, I'd love to touch on something that uh, you were just talking about uh, a second ago. Um, your footprint is global, and you are seeing mm -hmm. these trends uh, manifest themselves um, differently depending on the market and geography that they are in. So what's your take on the evolution of commerce um, if you compare Western Europe, um, the Americas, and perhaps Asia, the Middle East, um, APAC? Are there, um, you know, I think we're conditioned to think that in, 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 the, in Western Europe and the US and Canada, we're, you know, blazing trails ahead of everyone else. That's not actually the case. And you've touched on that um, uh, several times. So how, how are we seeing the transformation of commerce happen in these markets? What are the key differences? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so Hero is live in 30 markets in 13 languages, but the, the one market we're not live in, partly because we're uh, cut out of doing business in that market for all sorts of red tape and, and different reasons, is China. And uh, that for me is the market where there's, you know, so much um, happening in commerce overall. And over the last few weeks, you know, a lot of the, the journalists in the US and um, in, in Europe have picked up on the rise of live streaming in China. And I think there's some nuances to that. I think, you know, live streaming is incredibly special with what's happening in China. I was reading about one ambassador, brand ambassador or influencer, depending on how you refer to her, but did $6 billion in sales herself last year, which is just insane. Um, wow. But actually, I think the, the rise of live streaming is uh, tied into a bigger trend, which is around bringing video to e-commerce. And so if you actually look at what's happening in China, it's not just live streaming, but essentially the Chinese version of TikTok is centered only around commerce. It's not so much around interaction or fun and engagement, it's more around commerce. And uh, that's about short snackable videos that are easy to create, easy to tag products and easy to consume. They're not you know, a QVC style 40, 50 minute video that you need to watch. And so I think there's a lot happening uh, around this kind of intersection of video and commerce. Um, it's led to all sorts of innovation happening here, which I can definitely come on to. Um, but I think that trend we're going to see really um, uh, comes through in a much bigger way in the US and Europe over the next few months. Um, and so it's not so much if it's about live streaming, but really this idea of video and commerce and China and APAC is definitely leading the way there. Um, I think, I think, just sort of building on, on that, um, we've seen a, a push on platforms like Facebook and Shopify 
to, um, to integrate with each other and to offer shopping capabilities. Um, you know, Instagram just rolled out their new user experience where they've brought the shopping button down onto the um, you know, onto the toolbar at the bottom, prime real estate there. Um, what's your take on this? I mean, you kind of, you're sort of just building on that. You said Hero have some, um, some technology around that. Um, in, you know, is this going to truly meet the customer demand? Do you think we're ready to shop um, exclusively on, not exclusively on, but on a variety of different social platforms? Um, do you think that that's something that we're sort of geared for? Um, and do you think this is a long-term opportunity for retailers um, or is it something to be more cautious about? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited by this space. And for me, it tracks back to the, uh, the evolution of e-commerce. And the reality is a website is broadly the same as it was in the year 2000. It was a product page. It was a description. It's got a few static photos and a buy button. And the reality, that's not how we interact as humans. That's become so rich. And really the evolution of Hero was about was bringing messaging together with commerce. Then this year we introduced video, video calling as an introduction to commerce. And so you could video call with a store associate. And then last week we introduced shoppable stories, which is bringing the stories format we find on Instagram and Snapchat and bringing that to the e-commerce.com site for the very first time. And so for me about you know, tracking how we communicate and interact as humans and bringing that together with, uh, to, with commerce, that's really kind of always been core to our journey at Hero. But to explicitly answer your question around you know, the, the rise of third party social apps coming into commerce and in, in, in particularly Instagram and Facebook pushing into that world and TikTok as well, I'm really excited by it. I think it's, it's where commerce will go. I think it brings lots of opportunities for creators, new tools, new ways to shop, far more authenticity. At the same time, though, it can has the potential to disintermediate certain brands um, and your know, ownership around data and a lot of that usual um, questions that come up when you have an intermediary in, in, in the middle. Um, uh, but I think, I, I think Facebook, Instagram in particular are learning some of the lessons from previous ways in which they've interacted and gone into commerce, forging the right partnerships that make it far more merchant friendly and forging partnerships with Shopify in particular. And so I'm pretty excited by where this space will go. I think it unlocks so many opportunities and I think it can really um, you know, improve the experience for both shopper, but also the, the seller and the creator. Um, you've mentioned uh, now a couple of times uh, the evolution of Hero and um, the introduction of the stories um, uh, format uh, within within Hero itself. Um, we'd love to learn more sort of what's the angle there? How do you see this um, contribute to the overall value proposition? And uh, what should customers and maybe businesses as well expect from this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, totally new feature for us. So we're, we're in beta with a handful of partners um, uh, for the next few weeks until we release this more broadly early next year. But essentially, as I say, it's about bringing that stories format to e-commerce. But the actual content you're watching as a shopper isn't the glossy catalog shoot from a, a, a photo shoot somewhere. It's authentic content that the store associates are able to take on their phone, upload through Hero, and tag the products that they are explaining or introducing and essentially sell in this new way. And from a shopper's perspective, where you tap the hero button, whereas traditionally you would have gone straight to a chat with a store associate or a video call, you can now, if you want to, just browse this, these video clips. And 
I love watching them. It's become my favorite thing to do is to watch these video clips. They are so sticky, so authentic. You kind of want to end up just buying everything. And it's just such a powerful way. So and you think about, you know, go landing on an e-com site and it not just being a static photo anymore, but suddenly you can browse the stories format where a store associate is inviting you in the store, showing you all of these incredible products up close. And then you can choose to shop or you can choose to chat. So yeah, we're pretty excited by this feature, but you know, early days, early days, no one, as I know, has brought that stories format to e-commerce before. And, you know, the leveraging a network of thousands of store associates to create the content. So a lot, of, lot to learn, very early days for us, but we're really excited by this new feature. Um, you know, Adam, one of the things that uh, Alex and I constantly talk about on this show is TikTok. It just seems to be a thing mm -hmm. that, you know, as much as we want to get rid of the subject, it keeps coming back because they're pushing the boundaries in so many ways or sometimes, sometimes the boundaries close in on them. Um, but one of their key, I guess what we found to be their key recipe for success has been the ability to share content from TikTok to any other platform. They are completely agnostic when it comes in, you know, mm -hmm. they're not precious about where their content sits. As you think about your own platform and your own um, kind of ecosystem that you're developing, do you think about how to bring these capabilities outside of the on-site chat widget and into other environments? Do you see a path and a value to that? Yeah, definitely. So, so look, phase one is leveling the playing field, actually, you know, making the e-commerce experience on the brands.com site as good and as inherently social as what you find on social apps. So that's like, you know, part one for us. Part two is then being able to meet the shopper everywhere and wherever they want to interact with a store or a brand ambassador. And our partnership that we announced this year uh, with Google uh, uh, took us one step further to, to realizing that vision. So actually as a shopper, uh, you can be on Google search or Google maps, search for your nearest store that you're looking for. And whereas traditionally you had to call the store and this in some ways goes back to the original vision for Hero when I was stuck waiting on hold to my local bookstore, um, instead of calling, I can hang up and instead just message the store. And I can do all of that inside Google. And so I'm you know, in a native Google Maps app or I'm on Google search online and I can be there messaging the store and the store associate who's hero empowered or hero enabled um, will just receive that as a, another, essentially as another conversation the same way they would meet a shopper who's on the .com site. They can now interact with this shopper and the scenario is slightly different. You know, it's far more local, far more organic. It's a scenario where a customer may be saying, hey, do you have this in stock? I'm going to be there in 30 minutes time. Could you put it aside for me? And so for our partners making use of that feature, that's become very, very powerful and important through COVID, you know, as we, um, you know, all only making necessary trips and we only want to head to a store if we know an item is going to be there. Um, so I think everything will bring slightly different nuances and different use cases. But we're really excited by that partnership with Google. And is that available to uh, to everyone at this point? Yeah, that's broadly available to uh, most of our retail partners. Yes, it's something we've been testing over the last few months. And now most of our partners, uh, most of our direct partners at least, have that feature and functionality in, in any English-speaking market. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, so um, you've given us a couple insights into into what you're, where you're heading, where you're, you know, kind of like what you're looking to do. Um, sort of how do you stay ahead of the game with everyone you know in this in this world where you know someone comes out trailblazing and then everyone else starts to copy like how do you stay ahead you got you guys have got an amazing sort of unique value prop how do you stay ahead of the game how do you you know future proof yourself so that you're still you know number one in the space 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So sort of growing our team to service um, you know, as many retail partners as we can possibly work with has been a big thing for us now. Team has tripled in size since the start of the year. And so that's brought you know, its own challenges. But I think we've done a pretty good job given many of those colleagues actually haven't met in person now. We've become almost a remote company because you know, two thirds of the company has never set foot in a hero office before. Um, so, you know, scaling up the team, scaling up the technology and the infrastructure, that's been a, a real focus for us. But really the, the, the um, key opportunity for us in particular the last few months has really been in two, two, two areas. First is international growth. And so we're uh, announced a partnership uh, to enter here into Japan over the last few weeks. And that was really exciting for us partnering with Transcosmos, which is a really well-known um, company in Japan who essentially will uh, act on our behalf and bring Hero to more Japanese merchants. And, you know, we're already live in Japan with a handful, but this gives us more scale into a market that, you know, has a lot of cultural differences and nuances and, um, you know, not always so accessible for a, um, a European and US firm like ourselves. Um, Australia has been the other market as well, which is also so growing through or going through such rapid growth in terms of e-commerce and so international growth is definitely kind of the first strategy or first pillar of our strategy we've been really working through um, the second is forging the right partnerships i mentioned the google one but actually our partnership with shopify has been really game-changing for us and our team spent nine months reducing all of the barriers, both technically and from a cost perspective, to make it really easy for any business that is built on Shopify to get started with Hero in three clicks. And that's a real game changer. You know, we set out when we started our business to work with major retail groups, the Levi's of the world, the Nikes, the LVMHs. Um, but I always believed that Hero would work for any size business. My uh, my mum owned a small antiques and jewelry business and um, I saw what technology would do and could do and did do for her business. And so I always thought about the idea of being able to bring Hero to more independent and fast growth brands and some of the D2C brands that are being built on Shopify. And so that partnership has now meant any Shopify brand with three clicks can get started with essentially what is almost like a hero light, um, but you know, much of the same functionality and feature set, um, but do it just much quicker. You can get started. And so we have brands who are, you know, uh, uh, as they're coming up to Black Friday and Cyber Monday, who are able to add hero, get onto their site really quickly and benefit from the growth of traffic they're gonna be seeing over that holiday period. Adam, I think what you just said about the, the, the small businesses to me uh it just it's it's fascinating how you said you know you want to level the playing field you can be a neighborhood a corner store uh specializing in something that only previously was available accessible to those um uh, to the neighbors essentially i remember and alex and i lived in the same neighborhood in london uh in kensington there was a jewelry store there called manjet and uh, i loved uh you know buying things for for my wife and that from that store and i miss being able to go there on every trip to london we'd stop by and, and look at something and i just kind of can imagine that if a store like that can get access to uh, a platform like hero with three clicks and find customers worldwide and with um, easily accessible shipping options its business can double triple quadruple uh it's incredible to think yeah. about that it's it's the promise of e-commerce truly realized yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, independent businesses form the lifebloods of most economies, and especially in retail, you know, retail employs more, so, uh, more people than any other sector. And traditionally, they're employed in independent businesses, not just the Walmarts of the world. Um, and so helping level the playing field with independent businesses, you know, very close to my heart, and the Shopify partnership 
definitely allows us to do that. And I think about one uh, one customer actually, fairly new business in the furniture space. Uh, they've done hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales through Hero in the last three months alone. And they never had a tool like Hero before. And you're talking about primarily that's incremental revenue for their business because buying a sofa is hard, as we know. And suddenly having that assistance from their team has really been a game changer for their business. So I love seeing those stories and those anecdotes where Hero is really helping our partners thrive. Yeah, for sure. So um, we know the value to the businesses. We also know the value to the consumer. I just want to touch on behaviors and especially consumer behaviors. Mm. Um, We know that people are um, pretty cautious about turning on their camera and letting someone into their home. How are you working with the consumer as a B2B company, essentially? How are you working uh, to change that behavior to make it, uh, to normalize it, essentially, to make it feel okay that you can interact with a total stranger through video and um, not be creeped out? Yeah, honestly, we we had to take a a risk in uh, when we introduced that feature. We said, "Well, let's track back to the consumer behavior." Everyone has become very familiar with FaceTime, with Zoom, and uh, it kind of made sense to us. And we kind of took the risk to say, "Well, let's put this feature out there." And then a week later, the pandemic hit, and so with fortuitous timing, we introduced uh, video calling. I think March the ninth, and so it couldn't have come at a better time. But we, in that, you know, I remember back to only January and February of this year, which feels like a lifetime away, or a lifetime ago. But we had to ask ourselves those tough decisions or questions to say, you know, would a shopper be comfortable having their video on? Um, and the reality is, we designed the solution if the customer wants to turn their video off, they absolutely can. Um, so always about giving them that comfort, the same way they're used to using technologies like this on, you know, WhatsApp or uh, FaceTime or on Facebook or with Zoom. We want to mirror those same functionality. We don't want to do anything different. We want to bring what consumers already used to, but bring it to commerce. I'm, I have two follow-up questions to this. The first, did you have a hunch that this was going to be happening by looking at what's been hap- was already happening in Asia with the pandemic, and that's that influenced your timing, or was it? Did you just have a special, you know, magic eight ball uh, that you looked into? <laughs> I think it was a definitely no knowledge of the pandemic. I um, I wish I could say I had that foresight. Uh, but no, we actually announced it in January at NRF at the retail show, which again, feels like a lifetime ago where 50,000 people would convene in New York in one room. That now feels very alien. Um, but it was then on stage with our partner at Rag and Bone. We introduced this feature for the very first time. We announced it and then we introduced it into the platform uh, March 9th. And so over that two-month period, we were kind of perfecting it and trialing it in beta um, and we just took the risk because we were seeing that associates were sharing videos with um, uh, customers and so they were recording these 60 second videos showing them the the swatch on the back of the hand for example or showing them the sofa up close and we kind of said well wouldn't this just make much more sense if it was two-way because the shopper um, doesn't necessarily you know may want to show into their home they may want to show their skin regime if they don't they can just turn the video off um, and so yeah we just kind of took that risk as I think anyone who um, comes in from a technology point of view often does you know slightly shakes up the the norm and um, some of that uncomfort that may have existed in a traditional retail setting and try and bring a slightly new perspective and I think we did that and achieved that. Uh, that's incredible the timing there is immaculate uh, I think we all need to after this recording to look at your magic eight ball and see when this pandemic is going to be over. Maybe <laughs> I, I, I bring it back to my first point stick with Adam he knows what's coming. <laughs> Seems seems to be the case, uh, Adam. Just a, fi- a final question on that front, uh, and then we'll we'll go into our final one. 
Um, are you seeing greater adoption of video chat in some markets versus others? And do you think that's influenced by kind of cultural norms? Yeah, I, I think you're, there's definitely some cultural norms, norms for sure. And, you know, as I say, I haven't spent the last year in California and our office, our main office in the US was in New York. You just walk around the streets and everyone is on FaceTime. And as a Brit, that was always really alien to me that you'd walk along, AirPods in here, phone stretched out in hand and you're on FaceTime really, you know, happily and comfortably. Totally different to Europe. You never see that happen when you're walking on the streets of London. And so I definitely think there's been some cultural shifts and changes. But through the pandemic, um, we've all become so comfortable being on Zoom or Hangouts or, um, uh, or Teams, whatever tool you're using. And across every age range, my mum now does Zumba classes over Zoom. Uh, she didn't know what Zoom was seven months ago. And so, you know, we've all become very comfortable being on camera, um, becoming used to authentic settings. Um, I, you, know, you turn um, the Late Late Show on with James Corden and he's recording it from his bedroom or his garage, I think he was doing it in the first few months before they went back to the studio. The expectation of production quality has come down. And again, we talk about like leveling the playing field. Any creator with an iPhone can now create content that looks as good as James Corden going out on national TV um, or any campaign you're used to seeing that's now been shot on an iPhone, uh, like the Apple campaigns, for example. Um, so I think technology and the expectation and comfort with authentic content and this new era of uh, production quality, I think it's actually going to be quite revolutionary for brands and again, reduce some of those barriers for anyone wanting to come into this space. But yeah, to answer your question explicitly, yeah, definitely some cultural differences, but I think the pandemic has accelerated some of those cultural differences to level the playing field, certainly between the US and Europe. It's your question. It's my question. Sorry, <laughs> I, col I color marked it wrong. We're going to have to post edit this out. Uh, well, it is a final question, and uh, it's um, basically uh, wrapping up the, the whole theme. So COVID has been a great accelerator for e-commerce and for your company. Um, you know, we're hopefully seeing uh, the light at the end of the tunnel with vaccines uh, getting uh, closer to approval and with a return to quote-unquote normal life, hopefully not too far in the future. What are you looking forward to for your company? And where would you say you'd be thrilled to be by the end of next year as a business? Yeah, for sure. It's a great question. And it's, you know, one we ask ourselves a lot. I, th I think firstly, I, I'm not, you know, like everyone else, we're excited for a, a vaccine and for some return to normalcy. Um, we existed as hero for, you know, three and a half years in market before the pandemic hit. And so our technology was already being used at scale by major brands. So, you know, we didn't start hero as a, a pandemic proof tool just for the pandemic. So, you know, whatever return to normal looks like, uh, our business will continue to adapt and, and um, benefit from the growth of e-commerce and, and help fuel these trends around the brand ambassador being able to work from anywhere. Um, so from a business perspective, we're excited for what comes next. Um, I think, you know, more concretely, being able to work with more merchants, more brands and being more places, um, you know, like we've done with Google, I think is a really, um, you know, a key part of our strategy for next year. And then personally, with a child on the way, I hope as our team size is now large enough, I'll be able to take a few weeks out in early next year and uh, be there uh, to, you know, for the first few weeks of, um, you know, our unborn son's life and, um, you know, be there for him and, you know, not be so in the detail as, uh, as I have been over the last five and a half years at Heroes. So, yeah, pretty exciting for that personally. 
Adam, uh, I think throughout this show, we've learned that um, it's uh, the, I guess, the serendipitous moments that lead to some um, great new ideas. Um, your, your trip to South America leading to uh, the origin story for Hero, maybe something new will, uh, will germinate out of that time, uh, time away with your son and we wish you. Um, all the absolute best on that front, um, as well as um, with all of the endeavors with, with Hero and um, any new ideas that you will have. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a fascinating conversation. I think our listeners will really enjoy it. I know that we did as well. Thank you both so much. Really, really grateful to, to be asked on the show. Thank you.